the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 12 After Party Edition. Recapping picks and taking your questions live on our YouTube channel. Let's go. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hello, hello. What's going on, people? Dan Tom, the mate junkie here on my own personal channel, which will go up on the Protect Your Neck podcast uh, for a live recap. Uh, well, it will be a post, you know, live if you're listening to it on the audio feed. It'll go there later on Sunday. But those of you as I'm waving, Daniel Tom MMA is the channel joining me on that channel. Thank you. I'm going to allow you guys to pile in as I do my proverbial walk and talk um, that I do so smoothly and I've been out of practice for. But uh, I already got the post created, made myself a little uh, nighttime cocktail, I guess you could say. We'll get into that in a second. We'll get into your thoughts. Hit them in the chat. Any questions or thoughts, I will uh, address them both as long as they're not, you know, racially infused or, you know, any of these, uh, any of the other nonsense. But we will be talking to the nonsense of MMA, which is always fun. So I share that live now. Talking. Hashtag UFC Vegas 4. That's right. Hashtag UFC Vegas 4. The active hashtag UFC on ESPN 12. UFC Fight Night. Poirier versus Hooker is what we're going to be uh, recapping here. Results, thoughts, um, just the action and all that good stuff. So that is tweeted. And uh, we should be good to go. Ooh, there's my ugly face. Yep, that, that worked That worked for sure. All right. Thank you guys uh, for joining me. Thank you, uh, listeners. We're going to go like kind of like with the breakdown shows. I'm just going to go over the results from top to bottom as well, I guess, right? That'll make most sense, and uh, we'll get on out of here. We're going to keep it uh, not too long, um, however long you guys want to keep it, but I'm going to see it and try to aim to keep it under 30 here. We'll get through this recap, and, of course, uh, I'll be back next week. It'll probably be, like, the only week off that we're, we're going to be getting, um, you know, as far as UFC free or M- major MMA free weekends, if we want to count, you know, Bellator, and uh, I got to see what PFL is doing and whatnot. So, um and then apologies for the background. This is my room right now. Uh, those of you who follow me or know me, uh, my studio room has been invaded, uh, invaded uh, uh, by my mother. Uh, she recovers from uh, from her big surgery, and uh, I'm, uh, of course, I'm taking care of her now. Uh, we got another living arrangement set up, and yada yada yada. Da da. Point is, uh, sooner than later, I'm actually going to have that room freed up, so my studio room will be back. To a studio room where I have like the wood, the Fight Island drop, and all these different things uh, going on. Uh, sorry, I'm making sure my dog doesn't come busting in. My, my, my dog Brownie now, she's like almost 70 pounds and she can open doors. It's insane. So apologies for the background. I'm um, still seeing more numbers come in, so that's good. Just going to let you guys pile in as I pull up results, and we'll knock this out. So you don't have to listen or, God forbid, look at me. Uh, cheers if you guys are drinking. I, I've been good. I, I haven't drank all week, and I was like, I don't want to drink tonight, and I didn't. Kind of now. Now I'm breaking that. I'm I'm breaking edge, if you will. Um, got a little bit of a, a hot toddy. I know that's like the most non-Asian drink. It's like, but uh, it's pretty good for nighttime. Um, and it's an excuse to get some uh, some scotch or whiskey in 
if you uh, have a bad throat or, you know, want to get some vitamin C, I got some lemon, some cloves, some cinnamon, uh, honey, you know, for the throat, as you can, as you can hear. So uh, cheers to you guys. Thank you for joining me as we're going to get into it. So an amazing fight happened. Um, I don't want to go fight of the year contender because I always feel like, you know, recency bias is a mofo and we got to, uh, we got to recognize that. However, it was a great fight. One of the best fights of the year. I, I, I feel comfortable in saying that. As Dustin Poirier beats Dan Hooker by unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47. And I believe there was a 49-46 in there. We could talk about that. Did see some people, you know, saying we could see a Hooker score. And I wouldn't have been surprised. It's obviously not how I had it, but I wouldn't have been surprised in the sense of bad judging, which is why I always warn people if they're like – uber confident that like a certain score is going to happen it's mma folks and as we saw we'll get to brendan allen versus kyle Dawkins. like every night has a every night has a, has a has a kind of a rogue judge doing his own thing maybe he's turned around you know he's watching something else going on i don't know but you got to be careful to be you know uber confident my scorecard of course was 48 47 poyer i had him taking the last three rounds and um I don't blame people. I had some people saying, hey, hey, you know, Hooker could be live in the later rounds. And my thing was I thought the pace he was going to take over with body work, et cetera, was going to help him, even though he got away from that. We saw Hooker get uh, – not Hooker, Poirier get headhunting crazy on Hooker uh, by the end of round two and kind of had to fight that urge through, through the majority of the fight, um, which is something like if you listen to my breakdown episode that, that Poirier totally does – However, Poirier has just been there so many times before um, in adverse conditions. He's, he's had to navigate through turbulence. Uh, and, and then as well as seeing, you know, Hooker kind of fade in rounds four and five against Felder in his recent, uh, you know, foray into a five-round affair. I just figured that that it was going to edge Poirier. And we did see that. However, you got to give credit to Hooker, man. Like I, I told people not to underrate his wrestling. His wrestling has gotten so much better. And even though it failed him at certain points, I, I figured it was more the fatigue and the damage he was taking in the fights. I think he overperformed um, in a lot of people's eyes. So definitely don't want to like take away credit from Hooker. Like he wasn't doing good work in those rounds. He totally was. That was just my scorecard. And from what I saw, the majority, um, Alan McDonald says he's got it 48-46. I'm assuming for Poye, Alan. Uh, and that would mean you have a 10-8 uh, – 10, eight in there somewhere. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. It, I'm glad I wasn't writing the prediction that it could get ugly if it went to the decision as far as damage for Hooker. And Hooker was definitely damaged, and he definitely needs to take some time off. I mean, you look at the wars that he's been in through, even just back-to-back with uh, Felder and Poirier alone. Uh, I got top-ranked boxing on in case another sweet knockout happens again like last week, by the way, if y'all are watching that. I got that playing in the background. I'll try to keep an eye on who wins the bonuses um, but yeah, Poye and uh, and and um, Poye and Hooker. I mean, I I had it forty eight, forty seven. Uh, yeah, you could have maybe argued a ten eight somewhere in there if you're really looking at the damage. Um, it depends. I mean, some rounds are kind of dicey because you know Poye. I think it was round four. He was on his back for like a good chunk of it. However, you guys know that I award and advocate people awarding submission catches, um, which Poye was going for. He had like the arm bar, the omoplata. Um, the triangle attempt, etc. So I don't think there's going to be too big of an argument for that. John Atlas weighs in. Dustin won on my card. Hooker really slowed down, but that was still a war. Yeah, man, it was it was a war. Yeah, take nothing away from um, 
take nothing away from both guys there. Uh, feel free to keep weighing in on that guy on that match, uh, folks, guys and and gals. But um, I'm going to keep pressing forward if something comes to mind. I'll jump back. I just don't want to get too hung up uh, on things. Uh, yeah, co-main event: Mike Perry won by unanimous decision versus uh, Mickey Gall. Um, I I don't think I was really clear, uh, and I also skipped the fight, which I'll get to. I wasn't really clear on the podcast. Um, but I actually thought Perry was either going to win by decision or win late. And I know I told certain people that who were, you know, up in my, my DMs uh, or texting me about this fight early on. Um, I know I did. At least I said it to them. However, uh, I'm not going to, you know, try to take uh, credit or bump my chest late. Uh, shouts to uh, my dude Brad Tastrick and anybody else who was on that Perry decision, though, because that thing paid nicely, I believe, in like the plus high, mid to high plus 400 realm. That's. That's always nice. Um, like I said, you know, Perry striking is inconsistent, which it was, whether he's trying to go forward, like aimlessly, like the Ponzinibbio fight, or whether he's trying to counter more, uh, like, like, the, uh, like the Luke fight. Um, it's hard to get a beat on Perry. And whether he was aimlessly going forward or trying to counter, he wasn't doing it well. Sometimes he does it well. Sometimes he doesn't do it well. There's, there's a lot of degrees of uh, Mike Perry, you know. Uh, so it's always hard to tell on that end, but one of the things I was saying is that he doesn't really get credit for is his clinch fighting, which the smarter people will give him credit for, but also his grappling, which just isn't generally talked about uh, enough. And he's always had good grappling from going back to watch his amateur fights, his instincts, his top game, his pressure. Um, it's really, it's really, it's really good. It's really solid. It's really serviceable and more serviceable than a lot of us thought because he uh, showed to outwork Mickey Gall, even take his back. Uh, briefly early so good on him and hopefully mickey uh mickey learned from it uh john atlas lightweight never fails to deliver oh totally i don't think it's ever john i don't think it's ever moved down as far as like my favorite um divisions go uh i think it's always been like lightweight welterweight and featherweight were at war for a little bit but featherweight's kind of secured a number two spot and it stayed strong but Bantamweight is a close second. But Bantamweight may, in fact, be tied for a second, you know. But, yes, to your point, lightweight does deliver, sir. Um, I'm glad uh, the UFC account uh, retweeted some of that corner work because ah, that's what I hate about these commercials and, you know, ESPN following suit with Fox, what they did as far as just not giving us these corner work, at least for the main card or at least for the co-main. Um. But you know that was that was entertaining. But I mean, again, he's he's had girls in his you know girlfriends in his corner before. Mike Perry said crazy stuff before, so let's see. Um, he said he's got some personal things to sort out. Some things happen with his camp, I guess. Let's see what what that all is when it shakes out. And uh, and yeah, and whatnot. All right, next fight. Maurice Green uh, submission arm triangle choke versus John Vellante. Um. Another shout to Brad for for coining the name. Uh, what was it? Jesus, Pasta Gianni, Pasta Gianni, Pasta Gianni came out, and uh, for me it was just like I was giving flashbacks to heavyweight BJ Penn. That's why I tweeted that photo, and apparently y'all were feeling that too. So um, shouts to heavyweight BJ Penn. But yeah, uh, John Volante was putting on the veteran performance. Came out looking for light kicks and counter right hands, and. You know, wasn't as flashy, wasn't as versatile, doesn't offer as much volume, but it looked like he was paying off and he was on his way to winning. Uh, hurt Maurice Green, who, you know, Crochet Boss might have been uh, drinking some beers, according to Tanner Bozier. 
Uh, so uh, we're like, oh, it's coming back to pay. Uh, uh, you know, it's coming back to, you know, uh, bite him in the ass right now. Like um, if I had a Maury's green ticket, which I didn't, I would have been, I would have been tearing up the ticket. I would have been turning off the TV. I would have I thought it was done. And next thing I know, I'm looking up at the TV. They're going crazy. And uh, he won by submission. And on the replay, um, yeah, to someone's point, uh, they gave a detailed answer. So I want to try to maybe find him here to give him a proper shout. But, you know, they're breaking down, it, saying it was a poor um, head and arm choke. And it was. And I wasn't saying that it wasn't. Uh, but they gave a good um, – I still want to give him a shout, though, because they gave a good, like, explanation um as far as uh as far as it goes oh boy this is really tough to do while you're while you're on here but um oh i got the gentleman right here uh at at it's timothy davis but uh it was the shittiest charm and triangle i ever seen and i'm pretty sure that's why the commentators were confused it's inexcusable to get finished from top position by any opponent who isn't controlling your hips yeah you know in theory uh what i tweeted essentially was um Usually to get the un, the uh, head and arm choke from bottom. Um, the reason why they say it's much tougher without the gi is because you have less leverage. And either way, gi or no gi, you're going to need a better uh, guard variation, even half guard. I mean, it was a crappy half guard that he finished it from. So he wasn't even from half guard in which it's hard slash should not be able to finish it uh, from top or bottom. But um, as we've seen from guys that aren't just heavyweights, which I'll explain why that's a key here, but even lighter weight guys like Brian Barbarita versus Sage, uh, albeit maybe that's not the best example because I know people pile on us, oh, is a quitter and this and that. But we've seen – the point is we've seen head and arms finish in the UFC um, in non-traditional ways. Now, uh, <clears throat> now the reason why I say heavyweight or thick-set gentleman that I said in my tweet is because – this honestly, folks, this is very just, just common sense. Um, when, you're, when you're thick musculature, whether it's – or you're just a thick guy um, – all the things that you need to be cut off when you're doing a head and arm variation, whether it's a triangle, a head and arm choke from top or bottom, etc., those things are going to close off. Those airways are going to go under duress a lot faster and a lot heavier, especially when you're tired. So the tired aspect can kind of take over and be an excuse for like, oh, he's tired. That's why he did it as an excuse. Or if we're poking at the person, oh, he's tired. He quit. And there's actually some inherent truth to all of those. I'm not trying to take away the truth from those, uh, those statements or stances. What I am trying to say though, is that the, another reason why they're, they're going to tap fast. Like I believe the, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin, like how'd he tap so fast? He was kicking in his ass. It was just one bad position. He's tapping to Brock. It, it, when you're that muscular, like a Shane Carwin, uh, especially like it's not going to take long for those things to go on and out. Um, case in point, you know, I always reference my, my catch wrestling coach, Neil Melanson, the man is six, five, uh, 275 pounds or something like that. He's a big guy. And when we would do head and arm drills, passing from side control, uh, to the finishing side, he was pointing out that with the proper shoulder pressure, uh, you can actually finish the head and arm one handed as you're passing over using and kind of teeping all your weight into their chest. So you've got the shoulder pressure, the arm underneath for the head and arm, and your shoulder is driving in. And sometimes that alone can put someone out. Um, I, in fact, I did these drills back and forth uh, in a triangle drill. Why not to name drop, but just the effectiveness. The other person was Michael Chandler, Neil Melanson, myself, three completely different body types. 
But the person that was going out in the drill was Neil because he was the biggest guy. He had much more muscle. He had much more mass. Therefore, there's much less room for error. So I'm not disagreeing with, uh, thank you again, uh, Timothy Davis there, um, his take on it. I'm just trying to explain that. When you're bigger like that, there's less room for error. When you're tired, there's less room for error. And no offense to Green or, or uh, you know, Pasta Gianni, but they're not exactly ground specialists either. So it didn't make sense, but it kind of did make sense <laughs> in a weird way. So that that's not my defense of it. I'm not trying to defend anything. That's just my best attempt um, to explain why why those things happen and why they're probably more common even at the higher level at heavyweight. Um, John Atlas, Pasta Gianni went to a carve comb at the end. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Certainly. Daniel Mays. I don't think I ever got subbed by someone that ridiculous, even as a white belt. Yeah, so, something that ridiculous, even as a white belt. Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I've, uh, dude, I've done the, I've done the exhaustion panic tap before. Uh, you know, uh, you know, no one wants to admit that. Like I've done that before, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I guess I can't talk if I've done that, but yeah, that's not exactly something you're really going to get subbed. Uh, you're typically, you're typically going to get subbed by, uh, however, um, one of my proudest submissions, uh, I was able to hit the variation that Aljamain Sterling on Takeda Mitsugaki once in practice. Uh, you know me, practice superstar, I guess. Not even, no, I was actually getting my ass kicked in practice too. So not much of a difference there, but um, for what that's worth is relevant to Daniel May's statement. Yeah, you don't see that stuff much. And uh, let's just say I've tried it a bunch and uh, that was the only one time I got I got it off. Um, it was against a decent guy too, but again, you I, I, you need that guard. You need that guard leverage, that, that, that opposing cross leverage, which we'll talk about in Hanson's fight. Um, from a different position, Keith 90. I think Bisping on commentary suggested that Gian's face was kind of smushed into Green's body, so tougher to breathe already, exhausted and inhaling sweat. Yeah, I, I heard him say that. Uh, I didn't go back and look at the position since, um, and my head wasn't looking at the screen when he said that, but I heard Bisping say that, and sure, that can. That can definitely add to it, right? Uh, you know, smothering, smothering that face in, and you know, all the other factors added into it. Sure, that, that could definitely add to it. Um, so yeah, man. Um, I, I was, I was gonna lean Volante, and I was kicking myself for not leaning Volante, but I guess the pick came through. So, grats if uh, you were able to cash any angle on that fight. Brendan Allen defeated Kyle Dawkins by unanimous decision. I had it 29-28, giving uh, Dawkins the third round. But one of the judges, for whatever reason, gave Kyle round three, which was really weird. I'm pretty sure everybody uh, that I saw, for the most part, had that same score, 29-28. That's Benjamin barking over there. Mm. Oh, that's a strong toddy. Uh yeah, I like both guys. I ended up siding with Brendan Allen just because I feel like stylistically they were very similar. Um, um, Bisping seems surprised by that, but um, I think somebody would like, what was it? Uh, Mac Malley on Twitter was like, it's like the Spider-Man gift. They're fighting each other, the two guys. And it was kind of kind of like that, although Dawkins was a southpaw, a little more sharper technically on the feet. I think we saw that. Um Brendan Allen, you know, he seems to have a chin. He didn't. He didn't. He seems to have a good attitude. He's not just all talk, saying no one wants to strike. He just. He does seem like he is willing to strike in his defense. 
Um, and the offense still seems to be coming together, but that lack of head movement really worried me, especially when the only time he was moving his head was when he would get hit and then he would move his head after. It's good that he was doing that, but that's also like it shows kind of where he's at in the process. Like that's what you're doing when you're trying to implement head movement. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be moving my head when you get hit. You're like, okay. You know, it's like when you get hit, you're just like, mm, I put my hands up and reset, right? Forrest Griffin, he always do that like tap on the head thing and then reset his hands. So that's going to be something to watch for um, against a better counter wrestler. But it was good that Brendan Allen, who can go to his back voluntarily, which he did here for a second, and we'll talk about that. It was good that early on he wasn't giving Kyle any freebies. That was the kind of worrisome there um, if you were on Allen, which I was not. Actually, I think I, I was probably like my main card picks for Junkie for fun, like for like five, five or ten bucks or something. So I think that hit. But like – I was I had no rooting interest as far as that goes, honestly, folks. Um, but but you know that was good to see though. You know for for um, <clears throat> excuse me, Kyle's uh Kyle's sake. And then um, later, you know, I, I tweeted this like whether he was going Omoplata or using the uh, he dropped for the guillotine, but immediately used an elevator assist, which. There's different meanings for that, but what I was referring to is basically he's using a butterfly instep and elevating with one hand, one side, and using that little space to create a scramble. He makes a lot of hay with little space. Um, you know, not like a flyweight, uh, but in the in the same spirit of a flyweight, which is kind of crazy being that they were middleweights, right? So that's really interesting. Um, it'll be interesting if you can really, you know, keep making hay with that, especially if he fights a guy like Ian Heinish who scrambles like a demon albeit more wrestling than jujitsu-based scrambles for Heinish. Uh, I'm still interested to see that matchup. It sounds like Allen still wants that, so hopefully they put that together. And uh, I think it was uh, shouts to Dan Levy who might have said um, Tom Breeze versus Kyle Dawkins. I'd be down for that. A little southpaw versus southpaw action. Breeze has faced a lot of southpaws. It feels like uh, as of late it's been like Kelly. Um Well, Allen isn't, but yeah, give him get some southpaw versus southpaw action in there. And, um, but yeah, Dawkins is a dog, dude. Even getting dropped at the end of round two, comes back and, and fights himself back on the scorecards. A uh, big fan of Dawkins, like I said, even though I didn't pick him. Next fight Takashi Sato on KO punches. I forgot to break this fight down, uh, because of the, uh, change of opponents. I think Jason Witt, kind of like Justin James, took this, you know, like 30 something hours notice, something like that. Uh, so a line wasn't up, and usually, and and maybe it was temporarily placard was down too. And uh, I'll, I'll use those online references to lines when I'm doing my breakdown show. So uh, I didn't break down this fight. However, it was kind of obvious to take the uh, uh, the Southpaw Sato over the last minute replacement. So hopefully you did. He made quick work, and that was a point of entry. You know, as far as a minus two hundred, as far as a parlay piece. Um, if you used it, so good on you if you did there. Hopefully, they get Sato in a more meaningful matchup, can see more of his skills tested. And I'm sure Jason Witt will get another chance because they need bodies, man. You see how many fights they're trying to put, in, put on in August, people? Jesus. I think I might be taking a week off to uh, bury a relative uh, on that month, so maybe that's a good month to, uh, to take a week off of. It's going to be a lot of fights that month, folks. A lot of fights coming up. Julian Arosa defeated Sean Woodson uh, by submission. Bravo choke. Uh, Darce choke. His specialty. Tony Ferguson-like performance there by Julian Arosa. 
happy to be wrong here, man. Happy to be wrong between the extreme couture crossover, um, Robert Falls crossover to the fact that this guy looks like Karen from Ferris Bueller's Cameron from Ferris Bueller's day off. And I keep ragging on that. Uh, I'm really happy to see this dude get a win. Really happy to see him upset the odds. Um, I mean, even round two where he was losing and getting dropped, you can see exactly why the UFC is giving this guy another shot despite being on an 0-3 skid. Uh, that is a Rosa. So, I mean, and then comes out, gets dropped, keeps coming forward, uh, going to the body, which I love, and uh, and, and hit that uh, hit that sweet Dars. Um, prospect loss for Woodson. You know, he's got to experience that. Still excited to see him come back. I was excited from what I was seeing until he started falling apart from the pressure. Um, and shouts to Aaron Bronster, who he was saying this was this was another uh, kind of a false dog uh, in, in a sense, or you know at least aligned. Shouldn't have been that wide, um, which I agreed. But you know, uh, props to Aaron on that. I I, I definitely thought Woodson was going to be able to pull this off. So. Uh, and props to Arosa. Really happy. Uh, ho- hopefully he bonused. Um, I'll try to peek here at the bonuses and not get too distracted as I push, as I push forward. But off the top of my head, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping uh, Arosa bonused. Uh, I'm sure Poirier and Hooker got fight of the night. And let me see. Uh, hopefully, uh, either Worthy or Bozer bonused. But I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to Hanson. So, um, so let's see. All right. Boom. All right. Um, yeah, comma worthy defeated Luis Pena submission guillotine choke round three. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird lackluster fight. Uh, Pena didn't get get at his wrestling as early as he probably should have. But I don't know if it would have made a difference. You know, he might have still slipped up. And uh, it was the wrestling that was getting him in trouble that got him into the guillotine. Of course, where they locked up uh, one of those uh, McKenzie-style guillotines where, especially if you have the long arms, you can almost just push on your wrist. You close off both sides of the neck. More importantly, you close off the escaping angles. The hopping over to the opposing side of the hip still won't get you out of there if you're over the shoulder or closed off completely and the extra security in the situation, which I believe Josh um, ammo on Twitter. Sorry for mispronouncing your handle um, asked if the cage made a difference. And it did, you know, the fact that the cage was beside them because not that it would have made a difference uh, if, if uh, worthy kept that guillotine variation. However, even if he had a regular guillotine variation, uh, he couldn't create the scramble and get over to the safe side of the hips on a regular guillotine either. It would have been difficult at least. Not saying he couldn't have. would have been very difficult. Um, weird lackluster fight sums up Pena. Well, to be honest, this is Daniel May saying this. <laughs> Great prospect, but he seems like he can't, just can't show up. You know, he's really just got to put his uh, put his game together still, and that's kind of the problem. Um with the vast growth and um, deadlines, you know, I, uh, I love UFC as much as the next guy, but it, it, it does it seems like it's turning into ultimate filler content. Right. Um, as far as, you know, you we're looking, you know, I just referenced though, it's going to be like 80 fights in August and stuff. Like we've been seeing the UFC level be challenged and tested and that's not to crap on fighters. In fact, 
I more likely, uh, I'm more likely to be uh, to take the other angle of it, which is, you know, you look at guys whether it's a Pena or even a Mike Perry. If you look at his road, like, you know, I'm not saying we should be like boxing in all aspects, and we got to be careful about wishing for that. However, you would like to see some care, more care taken for these prospects and given time to develop because. Once you get to the UFC, you got to be ready. There's no, there's no stopping. And uh, as we saw with the Rushkoff um, Drysdale, even if you're a touted prospect and you've got the wrestling experience, you've got all these check boxes, you know, experience at big gyms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like you got to make sure, you know, Dennis Davis, who is a longtime coach and corner to Justin Janes, he used to say this about bringing guys up to the UFC. He goes, "You want to." have the hard fights uh, against the submission guys, the boxers, the wrestlers. You want to have the three-round wars. You want to have the championship fights, even if it's for an amateur or regional title. You want to go the extended rounds. You want to answer these questions before you get to the UFC because the UFC is not the place to answer questions um, at a certain base level, of course. So that, I think, is the the bigger problem. Um we're we're you know we're seeing uh as far as that goes um and and again don't get me wrong you know the the cream will rise to the top a lot of people can lose early and learn from those things look at comma worthy right he you know the matchup we're talking about he comma had to answer those lessons you know it's easy he was probably getting ridden off by me and many right i'll raise my hand too Devontae smith's probably gonna knock him out comma worthy's been knocked out four or five times but if you look closer you know, those those happened all at featherweight for the most part, except maybe the one to Paul Felder, which it's Paul freaking Felder. And go back and watch that knee that Felder hit him with. Ooh, it would knock anybody out. So maybe he's a new guy at 155. I mean, look at the guys who headlined the car tonight. Poye and Hooker, they're new guys at 155. Why can't Worthy be a new guy at 155? Maybe that's what we're seeing. The point is, Worthy did himself a service, and he answered those questions. He took those stumbles, and he picked himself up on the regionals and outside the UFC. So when he got there, short notice or not, odds stacked against him or not, he showed up, showed up multiple times. He won. He won multiple times, and he won in multiple ways. So that's the bigger takeaway there from Pena and Worthy. Um, is your thumb all right, bud? Yeah. You know, when I was making this, uh, the aforementioned Atati, I was punching a clove. I was punching a clove through uh, the – Lemon slice, if you want to call it that, the lemon skin. And uh, I didn't realize that they can punch through, you know, human skin as well. Go figure. So cheers to that. Next fight. Let's get through this. Wow, we're already at the half hour mark. Let's blow through this. A couple more. Tanner Bouge uh, defeated Felipe Lenz by KO punches. My goodness. I mean, I knew his durability was going to keep him alive in the fight, but I, I forgot to calculate Lenz's durability who's been stopped before and was stopped again tonight. That was a clean shot, though. I mean, that was like the um, – that was like a heavyweight uh, Stephen Thompson, Johnny Hendricks there. You know, he, he he steps off to the side, right hand, steps off, can see the ear, boom, uppercut right hand, puts him away. Like, that was uh, – <laughs> dude, I'm happy for Tanner Bozier. Again, I picked him, but uh, I'm happy for him. Another guy – you know, especially those of you who listen to my podcast, I, I dance all over the pronunciation of his name inappropriately, unfortunately. But uh, he seems like a nice guy. I mean, dude, 
whether he's throwing shade or being just genuine or nice, he's, I should say, whether he's being nice or throwing shade, he's genuine. Like, how, how Canadian is that guy? Like, how likable was he in his, uh, how likable was he in his post fight interview? Like, he just went up even more points in that post fight interview, calling out Maurice Green for drinking. Um, regardless if Maurice Green can fight after that, I hope they give Tanner Bozier a fight island opportunity and a bonus. So, that's my uh, Bozier hitting. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh, Worthy Lazaro. Yeah, I couldn't help myself uh, comparing uh, Common Worthy to Valmir Lazaro. And I don't mean that as disrespect. I just meant that, like, you know, I love Nova and Yao, especially circa 2014. I just felt like his striking like, looks like he's like one of those guys from that stable. Uh, Kay Hansen, uh, I thought it was was going to win by decision, but she got the late uh, arm bargain. Jin Yu Fry, maybe she needed it. I didn't see the judges' scorecards, but it's not the first time she's gotten a late arm bar like that. There was a fight in Invicta where she was just getting dominated, um, out grappled by a better grappler, which seems like it's going to be her, her kryptonite. Uh, they can deny her the type of fight she wants. That is Kay Hansen. Uh, and but she was still able to pull out the Hail Mary armbar there, and she pulls out another one here against Jin Yu Fry. It was nice transitions. I really liked her transitions, you know, for the finish. But like I was tweeting about it, it was the smaller things that impresses me, you know, her showing that, you know, she knows shoulder pressure, but not just showing that shoulder pressure in half guard, but having that kind of cross pressure where you're pushing one way, you're pushing the head away from you and half guard, but you're also hooking and almost locking your legs and curling them away the other way. Uh, as an old coach used to tell me, make like a broken tree. Spread your weight out when you're in that half guard position. Don't be so narrow with it so where you can get turned. And then they can start creating deep half and start doing, you know, Homer Simpson helicopters, uh, you know, style motions. Um, and uh, she really shut all that down. Uh, you know, using her head to post, that's a big thing. You know, your head's like your third arm in there. And there was a point where, you know, uh, Jinyu Fry was trying to fight for underhooks in hand fight, but Kay Hansen kept the shoulder driven into her head, which made it uh, gave Frey a lot of static to contest with. And while the hands and the shoulder was keeping Frey's head busy, her head was able to uh, post over and protect from getting swept because Frey used the wrist control, tried to buck. And then, of course, again, Kay Hansen uses the head post there. Shoulder pressure, flings her legs over for a pass. Just little things like that. Like, I, I love seeing those details. So, uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, she uh, she took a cut again on that left eye. Uh, one of her TKO losses early is like a really, like, nasty cut. And it's almost like every other fight, win or lose, she's getting cut there. So, that's something to watch out for, especially a fighter that can deny her the fight she wants and start, you know, piecing her up. That'll be something to watch for. But good on Kay Hansen, nonetheless. And the person who cashed that, like, $37,000 bet. Um, yeah. All right. Yusuf Salau defeated Jordan Griffin. Man, yeah, I didn't watch this one too closely. People are going to laugh because this one uh, escaped my studies, like, twice in a row. But it looked like Jordan Griffin being his scrappy self, uh, putting on a good fight. But Zalau, man, really well-rounded, really composed, moves well, um, just seems to have a good sense for things. Um which is why I picked him, and, and it looks like he came through. I'll probably have to catch that one the second time around, along with all those. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a chance here to get any last-minute questions in while I, I try to attempt to see who uh, who took the uh, who took the bonuses. Da -da 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 -da. All right, not seeing any more questions pile in. 
And yeah. Sorry, folks, trying to find out who the bonuses are, but uh, well, it looks like the fight of the night got a uh, Hanson got a performance, Arosa got a performance, and the boys got fight of the night. Okay, well, I guess I nailed it as far as Arosa fight of the night, and Hanson was probably going to get it over uh, the other two who I said, but hey. That's how the cookie crumbles. Let's see if we got anything on Twitter before we get out of here. All right. I guess that's it. 35, 49. That's not too bad. Hopefully this wasn't uh, as bad as a, uh, an S show as I was worried about, but Hey, you guys voted uh, this way rather than the audio. So I didn't want to let you down as a uh, hammer jag, as we say in Hawaii is the background is of the proper backgrounds next time. Uh, and these will be more on the regular and more organized. So thank you all for joining me who joined me. Thank you for those who contributed. And um, I'll be back uh, next week. Going to do top five uh, Matt wrestlers uh, with Ryan Rett Wagner from the fight site. A uh, little sneak. Usually don't give those away too early because I'm not doing it until next weekend. But benefit for joining me here. A uh, little little early sneak on that. And then, of course, you know, uh, for the Yaz Island fights, we'll be doing breakdowns and all the normal stuff. Jackie Nick Podcast. Follow me at Dan Tom MMA. Follow the podcast on all social platforms at the PYM Podcast, as well as MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. My website, the website, Sports Protecting Neck Podcast, the show you are listening to or watching via the YouTube channel, which again, give this video a like, subscribe to my channel, you can search it Daniel Tom MMA. Really help me out on the subscriber count. You can see it's uh it's sadder than you might think, but we're picking it up slowly. We're gaining steam, folks. Uh, we're, we're doing more. I'm bringing you more. We'll be bringing you even more the next time I talk to you. Enjoy your night. Be safe. Enjoy your weekend. And always protect your next.